You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. I'm going to start out here in Hebrews chapter 2 in verse number 1. It says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away from it. I want to speak about don't drift away. Tell your neighbor, don't drift away. And the the Passion Bible says, so that we do not drift off course. Do you know that God has a course, a destiny, a plan, a purpose, a race for each and every one of us to run? In fact, in Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says, let us strip off and throw aside every unnecessary weight and the sin that so readily clings to and entangles us and let us run with patient endurance and steady persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Say, God has an appointed course. He has a race. He has a plan. He has a destiny for my life, and I'm not going to drift off of it. Many people have drifted away or are drifting away from God's plan and God's purpose for their life. Many have drifted away from God's Word, from the things that they've heard. During COVID, do you know that one out of three practicing Christians stopped attending church, and many of them have not returned? In the United States, in 1990, 85% of Americans identified as Christian. In 2015, 75% identified as Christians. And in 2020, 65% of Americans identified as Christians. That's a 20% drop over the past five years is 60 million Americans that no longer identify as Christian. In 1999, church membership in America was 70% of Americans belong to a church. Church membership has fallen to 47%, and only 17% of Americans attend church every week. Now, I'm not sure how things are in South Africa, but I can tell you right now that the enemy has come against the church. And the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, the Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed that at the end of this age, many, say many, many will depart from the true faith one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. Many will depart in the last days. And in in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1, it says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by Spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the Amplified Bible 
says, unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians. So the Bible says before Jesus returns, it's not going to happen until there be a great falling away. Now, I want you, I want to see you in heaven. And I want you to fulfill God's plan and purpose for, for your life on this earth. And I want you to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want you to drift away from God's plan and purpose for your life. And that's why Hebrews 2 says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to the things we've heard, lest we drift for it. The, the word therefore means for this reason. Whenever you read the word therefore, you've got to go back and read you know, what was said before. And if you read chapter 1 of Hebrews, it talks about how amazing Jesus is. Jesus is better than the angels, better than the prophets, better than Moses. He, 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 no, to, to no angel is, as God ever said, the Father, sit at my right hand. And he talks about how the, the supremacy of Jesus. And at this time that it was written, many Christians were, were, were leaving Christianity and they were going back into Judaism because at that time, this was written, it really cost you something to be a Christian. I mean, you, you suffered great persecution to be a Christian. You had a chance of being thrown in prison. You had a chance of being fed to the lions in the Colosseum. They were doing that at this time. So in the book of Hebrews, people were leaving the church. And in the last couple of years, we've seen people leave the church. People leaving church is not a new thing. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John 2 verse 19, it says, these people left our churches. But they, they never really belonged with us. Because otherwise they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. That's what the Bible says. There were many people that left the church. And there are people who have left the church today. But let me tell you, God's not up in heaven freaking out. Gosh, am I, am I still God? No, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, heaven can be entered only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide enough for all the multitudes who choose its easy way. You see, to go to hell is easy. You don't really have to do anything. It says, but the gateway to life is small. And the road is narrow, and only a few ever find it. Aren't you glad that you're one of the few that found the way to eternal life in heaven? So the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to the things we've heard, lest we drift away from it. And I believe the Lord is saying to us today, I need you to be paying more careful attention to the things that you've heard so that you don't drift away from this great salvation that the Lord has given us. The word drift means a continuous, slow movement from one place to another. It also means to be carried by a current of water. You've been, you live here by the ocean, and you know there's currents in the ocean, right? And I'm, I'm a scuba diver, a certified scuba diver. I'm not a dive master like your pastor. He's like, he's a dive master. 
Have you told them the story we went scuba diving? I was one time, because Pastor Ellen and I, and I have scuba dived where I live in Jupiter, and, and uh, you know, the water's uh, 28 degrees, 100-foot visibility. And so we go do a shore dive in Simonstown. Where you, that's where you walk into the water. And the water is, um, I don't know what's centigrade, 40 degrees. What's the water? 12 degrees. Visibility is three feet. And the current is like, so we go dive and I'm holding onto the kelp. I'm down into the water. We're trying to see some sharks and I'm holding onto this kelp and I'm getting seasick. And eventually I said, I've got to go to the top, man. Half an hour, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. And so the dive master said, well, I'll go with you. And boy, oh boy, I ended up, ended up taking, we got, we got caught up in a, in a, a kelp forest he ended up losing his flipper. It was quite an ordeal. But he saved me. And I, I can tell you right now, when you scuba dive, you've got to watch out for the currents. In fact, usually when you go scuba, they'll put, they'll put a rope with, with flags, with markers, so that you don't drift too far away from the boat. You've got to keep on checking those markers because scuba divers have died drifting away from the boat and drown. So you've got to keep on checking those markers. Is that true? Make sure you don't drift, or drift away too far. And let me tell you, family, that as Christians, we've got to realize that we live in a world that has currents. Satan is called the God of this world. And the whole world is under the control of the enemy. That's what the Bible says in 1 John 5 verse 19. We know we are children of God. And, the, and that all the rest of the world around us is under Satan's control and Satan's power. If you ever wonder why the world is in the state that it is, it's because the, the Satan is controlling the things of this world. And the Bible says everyone's under his control. And as Christians, we are swimming against the current. The current of the world is going this way, and we're swimming upstream. Right? Everyone else is going downstream, and we're going upstream. And if you're not careful, it's easy to drift with the current of the world. All you have to do is nothing. Because some, you know, some of us think, well, Pastor Steve, I'm never going to drift away. I mean, I'm not out there doing bad things. I'm not out there doing drugs. I'm not out there sleeping around. Can I tell you, all you have to do with, to drift is nothing. You don't have to do something bad to drift. In fact, more often than not, Christians end up drifting, not because of what they do, because of what they stop doing. The Lord is saying to us, check your markers. Tell your neighbor, check your markers. Make sure you're not drifting. I'm astonished how many Christians... Drifted away during COVID. It's astounding to me. Now, I know churches in America that closed down for one year. Twelve months. We didn't close our church one Sunday. Rodney Howard Brown was arrested. They issued a warrant for his arrest because he had church. He went and submitted himself to the sheriff, and, 
An hour later, he walked out. And two days after that happened, the governor of Florida, DeSantos, Governor DeSantos, he, he came out and he did a, com a press conference and he said, church is an essential business. See, because they had said that there were certain businesses they allowed to be open. In California, they closed the church, but they left the strip club and the casinos open. In our city, Home Depot could be open. Walmart could be open. So I'd get to church and I'd have reporters waiting for me. New York Times, Wall Street Journal, CBS News, some reporter from France, Canada. And they'd want to ask me, why are you still open having church? I said, well, just go down the street a kilometer. You'll find Home Depot. The parking lot is full. The place is packed. Go a little bit further, you'll find Walmart. Place is packed. If they're open, we're open. But you know, it's like some Christians lost their mind. Christians were so afraid that they would die. Listen, let me give you a newsflash. You're going to die. Nobody is getting out of this alive. Just live long enough and you're going to die. The issue is not whether or not we die. The issue is, are we going to live the life that God put us on this earth to live? Are we going to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our life? Are we going to reach the people God's destined and called us to reach? In Proverbs 3 verse 21, it says, My child, never drift off course from these two goals for your life, to walk in wisdom and to discover your purpose. Don't ever forget how they empower you. We've got to make sure that we do not drift away because it can happen slowly without even realizing it, especially if you fall asleep. I read about a lady who fell asleep on a lilo and drifted seven miles out to the ocean. They had to rescue her with a Coast Guard helicopter. Can I tell you right now, some Christians have fallen asleep spiritually and they are drifting and they don't realize it. The Bible says in Hebrews, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, that is why God says in the scriptures, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Be careful. So be careful how you live. These are difficult days. Don't live like fools. Be like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. The, the Passion Bible says, take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for His purpose. We are to live our life to fulfill God's purpose. We are to stay awake and live like those who are wise. The Bible says don't live like fools, live like those who are wise. That reminds me of the parable Jesus told in Matthew 25 about the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. And it says five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. The five wise the reason they were wise is because they were ready. They stayed prepared. They, they had enough oil. But the foolish were not. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they fell asleep. And when the bridegroom returned, only the five who were ready went into the marriage feast. And later on, when the five foolish bridesmaids came in and they said, Lord, let us in, let us in. The bridegroom said, go away. I don't know you. 
Remember, Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Jesus concluded that parable in Matthew 25, verse 13, the point of the parable. He said, so stay awake and be prepared for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Tell your neighbor, stay awake, stay prepared, don't drift. See, many people are sleeping spiritually. They are not prepared for Jesus' return. And we've got to pay much closer attention to what we've heard so we don't drift away. We've got to check our markers and make sure that we don't drift because it can happen to anybody. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, it says, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. That's what we're doing today. We're giving ourselves a checkup. We're checking our markers. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. If you test yourself and you check yourself, you say, look, man, I, 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 I think I've drifted in this area. This is not to condemn you. Do something about it. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. So I'm going to give you some markers today that we can check ourselves. Make sure we're not drifting. Here's 10 signs that you are drifting. Number one, you know that you've drifted away if you feel apathetic about the things of God. Apathy means a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of interest. In Revelation 2 verse 4, Jesus said, I have this against you. You've left your first love. The message translation said you walked away from your first love. Or you could say you drifted from your first love. And what, what, what should we do? Verse 5, remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, if you feel... You don't have the same enthusiasm that you first had when you received the Lord and you started coming to the Bay Christian Family Church. You don't have the same passion. Listen, get it back. You can get it back. You can stir up that flame and rekindle that flame. Get back to doing the things that you first did when you first got saved. Remember when you first got saved, you couldn't wait to get to church. In fact, you, every week you brought someone with you. Now, all of a sudden, it's a chore to go to church. Get that enthusiasm back. Get that passion back. Get your fire back. Tell your neighbor, get fired up. Number two, you know you've drifted if you stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. How many of you know Jesus prayed a lot? Many scriptures tell us Jesus would pray in the early morning. He'd pray at night. Sometimes he'd pray through, throughout the night. He'd withdraw to a, to a lonely place to pray. And if Jesus needed to pray, let me tell you, you need to pray. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4, it says, The one who speaks in tongues 
advances his own spiritual progress. Do you know that prayer helps to advance your spiritual progress? It helps you to move forward. If you're not spending time in prayer with the Lord, you've drifted away. Say amen, somebody. What do I do, Pastor Steve? Stop praying. The one thing I love about the Lord, he never condemns you. He never holds against you whatever mistakes you've made. You just got to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And get back and start praying. And he's right there. Number three, you know you've drifted if you do not read the Word of God. If you do not do what God's Word says. Joshua 1 verse 8, we all know the Scripture so well, where the Lord Spoke to Joshua, said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Job 23, verse 12, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He said, The word of God is more important to me than, my, than, than, than eating my physical food. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet, a light for my path. It guides my choices and decisions. That's what the Passion Bible says. The word of God is to guide our choices and guide our decisions. And of course, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, it says every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. The breath of God, it will empower you. Say, God's word empowers me. It'll empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into a path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment that God gives you. In other words, you you cannot fulfill God's assignment and plan for your life without God's word. It empowers you. It feeds your spirit. It helps you make the right choices and decisions. It it reveals God's will for your life. You will never know God without knowing His Word. And today we've got some Christians look more to self-help books than they do to the Word of God. We don't need self-help. We need God's help. Number four, you know that you've drifted when you don't go to church every Sunday. Let me say that again. You know that you've drifted when you don't go to church every Sunday. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. See, that's the problem with missing church. It becomes a habit. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Now, you've got to realize that the the time in which this scripture was written, Christians were being thrown in prison. Christians were being martyred for gathering. Yet apparently... There was something so significant about gathering together that the writer of the Hebrews said, it is worth risking your life for. They literally risked their life 
If you live in China right now, you risk your life to go to church. If you live in Iran, you put your life on the line to go to church. There are places like that in the world today. And he said, even though there's that danger, it's worth, don't neglect, don't pull away from going to church. I recently had someone in our church who stopped coming tell me, you know, they said, well, Pastor Steve, you know, since I haven't been at church, my faith is just as strong. I don't really notice a difference. You must know more than God knows. You don't notice a difference? Just hang in there, honey. You will soon. The problem about missing church is that the more you miss it, the less you miss it. Listen, you need to be in church every single Sunday. Every Sunday. I said every Sunday. Every Sunday you need to be in church. If I need to be in church every Sunday, you need to be in church every Sunday. Because I can tell you, if I started missing church like so many Christians do, it would have a big impact on me. When I come together with the, with the church, I'm encouraged. I'm built up. I'm strengthened. Like Pastor Alan said, it's iron sharpening iron that, that we encourage one another. There is more that happens here today than what you realize. Number five, you know that you've drifted when you stop reaching out to lost people. Proverbs 11 verse 30 says, The one who is truly wise, remember the Bible says we must live like those who are wise. The one who is truly wise wins souls. Wise people are winning and reaching out to lost people. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 15, you are to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. Tell your neighbor, you, tell them you are to go in all the world and preach the gospel. Say, I am to go in all the world and preach the gospel. The Apostle Paul he said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, I've become all things to all men, that I may by all means and at all costs and in any and every way save some by winning them to faith in Jesus Christ. He said at all costs and in any and every way. In Acts 20, verse 24, the apostle Paul, he said, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. The Apostle Paul said, if I don't use my life to tell others the good news, then my life is worth nothing. When is the last time that you told someone about Jesus? Don't raise your hand. When's the last time you brought someone to church with you. When you're on fire for God, let me tell you, you cannot help but tell other people about Him. If you're not reaching out to lost people, you've drifted. And let me tell you, one of the ways of really keeping your fire burning is by continually sharing and talking about the Lord with, with, with lost people. Amen. Amen. Number six, 
You know that you've drifted when you stop giving to God, when you stop tithing. Matthew 6, verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. In Deuteronomy 14, verse 23, the Living Bible says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Say, the purpose of tithing is to teach me to always keep God first. Do you know that is the number one most important reason for tithing? is because it demonstrates who's first. God doesn't need your money, doesn't need my money. The whole world belongs to him. Tithing is to demonstrate, God, you are first in my life. And let me tell you, your giving is a thermometer of the state of your heart. I, When someone stops giving, I know. They're, they're drifting. It's the first thing that happens. When someone starts drifting, they stop giving. So if you have stopped giving and tithing, get back. Start today. Keep God first in your life. Can someone say amen? amen. Number seven, you know that you have drifted when you stop serving at church. In 1 Peter 5 verse 5, it says, And all of you, say all of you, all of you serve each other with humble spirits, for God gives special blessings to those who are humble, but he sets himself against those who are proud. Now, Jesus was our example. The Bible says he came to serve, he came to give, he humbled himself, and he became a servant. When we stop serving in ministry, it's a sign we've drifted. Serving is a sign of humility. It takes humility to serve. And I've had many people in our church in the United States, they want to come to church, they want to hear the word, but they don't want to serve. That's humbling yourself. Every single person in this church should be serving in ministry in one way or another. Not for their benefit, but for your benefit. Because of what it'll do for you. If you're not serving in this church in some way, you need to get in contact with one of the pastors and say, listen, what can I do? I want to serve. And do whatever they ask you to do. I've had people come to church, I want to serve, but I want to be singing on the platform. I want to be the main singer. I'm not making this up, this is real. I had a lady left our church because I didn't make her the worship leader problem is she couldn't sing. Um, she sounded like a cat screeching. She could not sing, but she was convinced that she could sing. Number eight, you know that you have drifted 
People got offended at Jesus. If Jesus himself was the pastor of the Bay Christian Family Church, I will guarantee you that you will have an opportunity to get offended by something he said or did. And if you don't know that's true, then you don't know the Bible. Because people got offended at Jesus, not because he did anything wrong, because they misunderstood People got offended at Jesus and turned against him. Matthew 13, verse 57. People became offended and began to turn against him. John 6, verse 61. Jesus knew that they were outraged and he told them, Are you offended over my teaching? And so from that time, many of the disciples turned their back on Jesus and refused to be associated with him. Can you imagine turning your back on Jesus and not wanting to be associated with him? Because they got offended. Offense is a trap of the enemy that is designed to distract you from God's purpose and God's plan. That's what it is. It's a trap to try and draw you away from God's plan and purpose. In 1 Peter 4 verse 8, it says, Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. It forgives and it disregards the offenses of others. Can I tell you, if you are going to stay following God's plan and purpose for your life, you've got to learn to disregard the offenses of others. When, when you have that chance to get offended, say, no, I'm not falling into that trap. Our, our love covers a multitude of sin. I'm leaving that in God's hands. I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. Amen. That's why the Apostle Paul, he said in Acts 24, verse 16, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and toward man. You see, people get offended at God because he didn't do what they wanted him to do. Or they get offended at people because they didn't do what they wanted what they wanted to do. But the Bible, Paul said, I strive to keep my, my heart clear of having offense toward God or toward people. Getting offended will derail you. I've seen it happen so many times. Paul said, I have to work at not being offended. It takes effort to stay free of offense. You've got to determine, I am not going to fall in the trap of offense. And I'm not going to let anyone pull me into that trap of offense. Because in Romans 16 verse 17, it says, watch out. Tell your neighbor, watch out. Watch out for what? Watch out for those who cause division and offenses among you. Had anyone ever caused division here? 
Anyone bring offense here? Happens in every church. It says, when they antagonize you by speaking of things that are contrary to the teachings you've received, don't be caught in their snare. See, some people get offended, then they try to drag you into that offense. I don't care how good you are friends. You may be friends with someone in church. If they get offended, don't let them pull you. Let me tell you, I'm not going to hell for anybody. I'm not missing God's destiny for my life for anybody. I love you, but I ain't following you into that pit of offense. I'll pray for you. I'll love you. But you're on your own. I'm not going down that road. Offended people become critical people. And the Word of God says in James 4 verse 11, don't criticize and speak evil about each other. Dear brothers, if you do, you'll be fighting against God's law of loving one another, declaring it is wrong. But your job is not to decide whether this law is right or wrong, but to obey it. Only he who made the law can rightly judge among us. He alone decides to save us or destroy us. What right do you have to judge or criticize others? The fact of the matter is we have no right to criticize anybody or to judge anybody. That's God's that's God's servant. I just had a, someone who preached for us. I just saw on Facebook someone who preached for us at our church and just coming out against Joel Osteen, man, just criticizing, going after him. Let me tell you, you stupid. To criticize a man that has led millions of people to Christ. You, you, it may not be your cup of tea. Who cares? That's God's servant. Keep your hands off of him, man. You just keep following. If you don't think he's doing things that are right, let God deal with him. That ain't your job. Number nine, you know you've drifted when you have secret sins. In Psalm 90 verse 8, you spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. How many of you know there's nothing hidden from God? You can turn off the lights, close the curtains, and get under the covers. But God sees everything. And that sin is designed. Let me tell you what the purpose of sin, to draw you away from God. This is all about. Sin is to distract you. And secret sins will cause you to drift from God. What do I do, Pastor Steve, if I'm, 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 I'm caught up in this and no one knows? Proverbs 28 verse 13 tells you what to do. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess them and turn from them, they will receive mercy. God is merciful. Listen, don't ever run from God. Run to God. Because this is how the enemy works. He tries to tempt you to sin. No one's going to know. No one will ever know. And then when you sin, then he condemns you. How You can't go to God. You can't go to church. You can't pray. You can't. Listen, man, God is merciful. If, you, if, you, if you're doing something you shouldn't be, confess it. He'll forgive you, and, and you'll receive mercy. Amen. The reason why I am merciful to people is because God is merciful to me. And his mercy is everlasting. Number 10, you know you've drifted when your will is more important than God's will. 
what you want is more important than what God wants. The night before Jesus was crucified, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane because he didn't want to die. He did not want to go to the cross. And in Matthew 26, verse 39, he said, My father, if there is any way, get me out of this. But not what I want, but what you want. Not my will, but your will. How many of you know that we are to live to fulfill his will? In Matthew 7, 21, I think we read it earlier. It said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Not everyone who says Jesus is Lord is going to heaven. According to Jesus. Who, but those who actually do. You see, the fact is a lot of people don't, don't understand what it means to make Jesus Lord. To make Jesus Lord means you are now in control of my life. Lord, what you want, you are Lord. I'm not Lord. It's what you want. Amen? Are we truly willing to do God's will? 1 John 2 verse 17. This world is fading away and these evil forbidden things will go with it. But whoever keeps doing the will of God will live forever. Say, I'm going to keep on doing the will of God for my life. Even Jesus had a nevertheless moment. In other words, Lord, I don't want to go to the cross. Nevertheless, not what I want, what you want. What makes you think that you will not have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him? That's not a popular message today. We don't really want to hear that. We want to hear about how you know, God wants to bless you and God wants to favor you and God wants to do this. And that's all true. But let me tell you, the heart of the gospel is not my will, Lord. It's your will be done. Anything that draws you away from God's will is drifting. So you've got to ask yourself, is my will more important than God's? Let's not forget how great our salvation is. Jesus saved us from our sin. He gave us a new life. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. He blessed us with all spiritual blessings. He saved us from eternity in hell. He has prepared a place in heaven for us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us power. He's given us authority. He's given us a life of purpose. We can actually live on purpose here on earth. You can actually see His kingdom come and His will be done in your life here on this earth. You can step into that supernatural life or you can drift away and just barely make it. But what a waste of your life. I believe that we are poised for the greatest move of God that the world has ever seen. I really believe before Jesus comes back, we're going to see an amazing move of God and signs and wonders and miracles like the book of Acts, not just happening in church, but happening out there on your job and out there in the street and out there where you live, family. But let me tell you right now, you've got to check yourself today. Have you drifted? Because you could be drifting in the current of this culture and not even realize it. But the good news is if you have drifted, you can get back, you can repent, you can be forgiven, you can go on, you can fulfill God's plan and God's purpose for your life. Amen. If you've drifted, get back to where you are, where you should be. Check yourself. Test yourself. I want you to stand before the Lord. And him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. That is what I live my life for. Everything that I do, because I want to please the Lord. And I want, I want to fulfill his plan. I want to hear him say, well done, Steve. 
You finished the race. You fought the fight. You kept the faith. I'm not letting anything pull me away, drift away. I've, there's been times in my life I've drifted. Because I can tell you right now, you can get back. It's just, it's just, just that fast. Just that, that quickly. Amen. Do you receive this today? Praise the Lord. Well, come on. I want to pray for you today. Father, I pray right now for every single person that is here this morning, all those who are watching this in all the different campuses. Father, I pray right now, anyone that may have drifted, I thank you today that they make that decision choice and they come back, Father. We draw back, we draw near to you today, Lord. We want to fulfill your plan. Say this, say, Father, not my will. Let your will be done in my life. Say, Lord, I'm living for you. I'm staying close to you. I'm going to test myself. I'm not going to drift away. I'm not going to let the currents in this world cause me to drift from you. But I'm going to run the race that you've set before me. I am going to fulfill your plan and purpose. I'm going to spend my life living for your purpose, Lord. In the name of Jesus, one day I'm going to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to live on fire for you, Father, sold out to you, dedicated to you. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Come on, give God thanks and praise today.